This morning, I want you to hear the heart of your pastor as we enter into 2024. Uh, and, and last week, I'll just be honest with you, Pastor Brandon brought us a word from God last week. Did he not? Thank you, Pastor Brandon. Yeah. Give me a huge round of applause. And you can hear him every Wednesday night in prayer service. Uh, this week, or today, I, I'm, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to bring to you a message the Lord's had in my heart for quite some time. Um, but I want you to hear my heart. Uh, this is a message of, of, of setting coordinates for 2024. And it may sound like your pastor's coming out guns blazing the first Sunday of 2024. And I am. But, but I want you to hear my heart. I, I really feel the Lord wants us to go deeper in him this year. Uh, I'm so thankful that the Lord already has this year mapped out. Can I have an amen? It's not about, it's not a, about him being a part of our plans. It's about us being a part of his plans. And so that's the tone of today's, today's message, okay? It's much easier to quote the word of God than it is to obey the word of God. It's a lot easier to declare it and say amen than it is to put it into practice. Would you agree? There's a story about a businessman, a pretty cutthroat businessman who had come to Mark Twain and very piously declared. He said, one day I want to make a pilgrimage to Mount Sinai and I want to stand on the top of Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments out loud. Doesn't that sound very spiritual? And Mark Twain and all his wit and wisdom simply said, I got a better idea. Why don't you stay right here at home and keep the Ten Commandments? <laughs> it would be much easier. This morning, as we enter into 2024, if you're like me, there's some areas in my life that I say, Lord, I, I want to see some growth in. L let me say it a little bit differently. There's some areas in my life spiritually that I, I desperately want to see movement in. Anybody else? In fact, let me just tell you this. As I was preparing this message this week, there were multiple times that I just had to pause and pray. Um, have you ever heard the term getting worked over? I know you're from Oklahoma. You've understood that term, right? Come on. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, the Holy Spirit just worked me over this week. So I want you to hear that in the tone. I had to pause many times. It's okay, Lord. Uh, you're going to help me with that this year. If you're here today and you want to see some movement in your life, I'm so thankful that Philippians says that he who begins a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on. Or one version says this, work it out until completion, until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Apostle Paul was saying in Philippians was simply this, that the moment you say yes to Jesus, God is faithful to keep working this, this Jesus thing out in us all the way until Jesus comes back for the church. Amen? So God's never done with us. So if you're here this morning and like your pastor, you want to see areas of progress in your life, you are in good company. In fact, you've heard me say this many times, using it as an illustration. It's as if there are many areas in my life that have the orange cones around it, right? Under construction. We are all under construction. In 1 Samuel 15, 
you see King Saul make a, make a huge mistake. And what I find is amazing, just a couple of chapters earlier, he had made a, another big mistake. And it's almost as if in first chapter, first Samuel 15, God's coming to him and say, hey, I'm gonna give you another chance. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who gives chances? And Saul, <laughs> again, makes the mistake. 1 Samuel 15, beginning with verse 1. Samuel, the prophet, he comes to Saul and says, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now, it, I'm going to walk through this passage of Scripture. I'm going to point out a few things, and then, and then we're really going to sink our teeth into it, okay? So, so bear with me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up out of Egypt. So if you can read this in Exodus, that when God's people were coming out, the Amalekites were very cruel to them. What, what am I trying to say right there? Um, God, God takes up defense of his people. You cannot touch the Lord's anointed and get away with it. What am I trying to say? This year in 2024, there will be people that will come after you. They, they are going to, they're going to make life difficult for you. Understand this, that nobody can get even like God can get even. Now, I say that to say, ooh, God sick them. <laughs> you know, we want God to like, to like, like wipe them off the face of the earth. But, but here, here's the reality. God, God pays attention when his people are under attack. And you see that right here. Verse three, now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, and infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Now, in scripture, when you see the Amalekites, they represent sin. So before we sit here and say, oh, we, we have a cruel, cruel God. No, 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 no. The, the Amalekites are representative of sin. They are representative of godlessness. And, and, and right here, what happens is God has set them up for destruction, for total judgment. Then Saul attacked, verse seven, the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. Verse eight, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites. I want you to pay attention to that. Took him alive and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Verse nine, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fatted calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, he totally destroyed. I want to pause there for just a moment. The instructions were clear. Saul put everything to the sword, spare nothing. Did you catch that? But you go into verse eight and verse nine and, and Saul made some edits to the word of God. Did you catch that? He was obedient, kind of. We have to pay attention, church family, as we enter 2024, that we do not edit the word of God. Amen. 
The Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, cover to cover, is the alive and active word of God. And when we begin to edit it, when we begin to remove things, when we begin to adjust it to fit our lives, we are in trouble. Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. That was a lie. But Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of the cattle that I hear? Remember, the instruction was to put everything to death, put everything to the sword. <laughs> what is, the, what is the, the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cattle? It's amazing how our sins will give us away. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice, pay attention to that, to the Lord. But we totally destroyed the rest. It is amazing how we can excuse behavior and make it sound spiritual. Let me say it this way. Saul was trying to justify it. He even put some religious language in there. Well, we spared them so that we can sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 19, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord had assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. That was not what the Lord said. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. There, there are a lot of mistakes in there. In fact, if you study leadership, you see, you see this king who was editing instructions. He was, he was blaming other people. Uh, listen, let, let me just say this. Uh, we live in a world that likes to place blame on other people, don't we? You may even be here today and you are a victim of a spouse or something in your upbringing or something on your job. And I, I'm not, I, I, be careful, I, I'm not belittling anybody's pain in this room, but as a believer, living as a victim will never work. Because scripture is clear, we are more than conquerors. So even if you're in this place today, you're watching online, and you have been a victim of abuse, you've been a victim of, of circumstances, I wanna encourage you, you are in Christ Jesus, come on somebody, no weapon formed against you will ever prop, prosper, amen? We are more than conquerors, Jesus even said this, I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy. So staying rooted in a victim mentality, which the world encourages will never work it will never work you'll be a liability to yourself and to those around you live victoriously because the bible says we can paul was or saul was blaming others he was twisting he was ignoring the word of god he was spiritualizing and justifying his actions he was editing the word of God. And that's dangerous. There are two things in this passage of scripture, Woodlake family, and if you're a guest with us today, listen, we're so pumped that you're here. 
but you're part of the family here today, so you're hearing a pastoral message. As we enter into 2024, there are some directional things I want us to pay attention to as a church family. And there are two things in this passage of scripture I want us to focus in on, that, that we can be in trouble before you realize you're in trouble. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Here's the first one. When it comes to our walk with the Lord, we are in trouble, listen to me, when, when our obedience is optional. Are you catching what I'm saying? Well, pastor, I love this part of the scripture, but I don't like this part. That's editing. Are you with me? Pastor, I'll come to church as long as you don't touch this area or touch this area. Folks, don't be mad at a pastor or a preacher. Take it up with the word of God. How many of you, like me, it would have been easier to obey than to suffer the consequences? Verse 22, Samuel, look at his response to Saul's excuses. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Then he says this huge statement, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Sacrifice, worship, never replaces obedience. Did you catch what I say? Religious activity never makes up for disobeying the word of God. Tim Delina says it this way, obedience is doing God's will in God's way in God's timing. And until we do God's will and God's way and God's timing, we are in complete disobedience. Oh, some of y'all wish pastor would give you a softball message today, right? Get Pastor Brandon back up here. He, he really made us feel good last week, and he did. It was a great word. But understand this, the word of God not, will not only make us feel good, the word of God will help us grow. Today's a growth message. Woodlake family, I want to encourage you. There are going to be some moments this year that it, it would seem as if it were easier to, to do our own thing. It would seem as if it would be easier to appease our workplace, appease our classroom, appease our family, but it goes against what God's word says. And we must obey the word of God. Here's what's, here's what's interesting. It says that they spared everything that was good. They spared the best and brought it back. They put to the sword only the things that were subpar. Does that make sense? So if this, if this lamb had a defect, oh yeah, we'll kill that, no problem. If, there was, if that bull had a, had a limp, okay, let's kill it. Let's, that's it. We're, that's easy to do. Understand this. Their obedience was based on convenience. Are y'all tracking with me here today? Folks, listen, I'm preaching to myself here today. If we're honest, too often our obedience to the word of God is based on convenience. And obedience based on convenience is not obedience. And then we still wonder why this Jesus thing isn't working for us. 
in essence, we're saying, Lord, I'll obey as long as it doesn't bother me. How many of you have found that one of the things the Lord loves to do is bother you? Have you ever found that to be the truth? Now listen, if you're a new believer in this place, maybe you haven't served the Lord for very long and, and, and you're keep, you keep wondering when it's gonna get easier. I would like to tell you that that's the case. It is not. It gets better, come on somebody, but it doesn't get easier. If our, if our obedience is based on convenience, we're in trouble. We have religion, we don't have relationship. Can I have an amen? But Jamie, I, I, I love God. I, did you see me worshiping today? Did you see me serving? Did you see me giving? Do you understand those, those, those are the outflow of, of our love for the Lord, but that, that does not show our love for the Lord. Jesus said this in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Our love to God is shown in the keeping. Everybody say keeping. James says it in James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Pastor's preaching hard, isn't he? Your pastor loves you this morning, you hear me? Ultimately, what James is saying this, listen, if you know what you ought to do and then don't do it, we are held accountable for that. We're held accountable. So what's the remedy? Let me pause there for just a moment. It's living in this constant state of repentance. Lord, I need you. How many of you heard the, the old hymn used to sing it every hour, I need you? How many of you would say, Pastor, that's me today. Every hour I need the Lord. Every hour I need the Lord. Is your walk with the Lord based on convenience? Is your walk with the Lord transactional? Lord, if you do this, then I'll do that. The Apostle Paul describes this relationship between Jesus and the church, that's us. He describes it in terms, uh, marital terms. Does that make sense? In fact, the Apostle Paul breaks it down this way. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That word gave in the original language, it, it means to commit. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is committed to us? I'm going to say that again, and you're going to wake up and say amen like you're thankful for it. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is committed to us? Amen. amen. The, Paul is trying to do the best he can in human, uh, the human mindset. How can I describe the intimacy, care, and devotion? Well, the only other relationship is that of marriage. Come on, somebody. That's why we don't tamper with the definition of marriage. There's a sermon for another day. Marriage wasn't man's idea, it was God's idea. And that's why Paul grabs it and says this, Jesus gave, he committed to the church. 
Wood Lake family is part of the body of Christ, the church. I want to encourage you. Jesus is committed to you. Well, Jamie, I'm not perfect. Jesus is committed to you. Jamie, I got struggles. Jesus is committed to you. Jamie, I keep messing up, messing up, messing up. Jesus is committed to you. Isn't that exciting here today? And and this is why I want to challenge you, lean into your relationship with Christ. Most of the modern church, if I'm honest, and and I've been here many times, we, we we have been fine treating our relationship with Jesus like, like a dating relationship. It's, it's, it's half-hearted, but we want all the benefits, and that's not how it works. There have been multiple times in my life where the Lord has moved in and said, I need you to be obedient in certain areas. Have you found that to be true? I got saved when I was in high school. Many of you have heard this story. In fact, I think we have a picture of me and I. There you go. Haven't, haven't changed a bit. Derringer, don't be laughing. You know, you know, I'm looking good right there. Come on. All right. I got saved when I was in high school. And I'll tell you, you see that smile on my face? There was a battle going on. I'll tell you about the battle. So I got saved, uh, and I was hungry for God. I was raised in this church, and the Lord began to deal with me about going into ministry. And boy, I, you ever, you ever argue with God? This is one thing I've learned. You will always lose that argument. Let me take it a step further. Have you ever tried to convince God that he was wrong? Here's something else. You'll never find God go, you've convinced me. The Lord began to deal with me. Now, why am I telling you this? There may be some area of your life that the Lord is challenging you in the area of obedience. Here's what I found. I, I dug my heels in. Any stubborn folks in the house here today, right? I dug my heels in and said, Lord, no, I have plans. Lord, I'm going to do it my way. I've already given my life to you. That should be good enough. Lord, I, I'm going to go this direction. Don't ask me to go that direction. And, and it, it was amazing because it was as if the Lord would just kept tightening his grip. In fact, I'm going to say this, and I can look back now at this age and look back on that teenager and go, you know what, there, there, I, it was almost as if areas of my life stalled out. It, it, it was so intense. Some of you have heard this story, but I would just argue with God all the time, and I was on my way to church one Wednesday night, and I was listening to the radio. Many of you have heard this story. I, I was just gripping the steering wheel, and, and I was listening to the Christian radio station, and I remember there was somebody on a, a DJ that just simply said this. He said, somebody's on their way to church right now arguing with God. In fact, he, I, was, I had a death grip. Some of you are new. I've, I've used this story. I, I, I remember looking at my knuckles, and they were just, I was white knuckling the steering wheel. In fact, the, and, the, and the DJ said this, you are white knuckling the steering wheel right now, arguing with God. I went, ah! <laughs> And I had to reach over and go, click on the radio. Some of you just realized how old I am, because there was that, you, you see that little motion right there? 
I remember going home that night, just, just wrestling with God, and either I was going to be obedient or I wasn't. And some of you may be in the room today, and there may be some area in your life, and you're either going to be obedient or not. Let me tell you what a lack of obedience does. It will stunt your growth. It will stop movement in your life. Let me fast forward. I, 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 you've heard me say this before, uh, and I don't know who the, for the benefit who this is. It's not even in my notes. But, but at 4.23 a.m., I'll never forget waking up out of, a, out of a dead sleep, and I sat up in my bed and cried out and said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I meant it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'm telling you, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit now, some of you are sitting here and go, Pastor, I don't believe in that, that Holy Spirit stuff. That's fine, but all I know is I would literally fell out of my bed speaking in tongues on the floor. And I, I, I don't, I, the God's presence was so manifest in my room. But let me tell you what happened in that moment. There was movement. So, so, so listen to your pastor's heart here today. If you want movement in your life, let me tell you what precedes movement. It's obedience. Is there an area of your life you've been failing to be obedient in? Maybe it's the area of the tithe. Don't you dare talk about the tithe. I'll go to another church. When you get there, tithe. <laughs> I'm serious. Maybe it's in serving. Maybe God's called you to work with kids. Maybe God's called you to be a part of outreach. Maybe you're in this room, and I listen, I want you to lean into me right now. Maybe God has called you into vocational ministry, but you already have a job. You already have a family. You already have a 401K. I want to encourage you. God never went, eh, okay. You all wish I'd get back to the notes, don't you? If you want to see movement, movement is always preceded by obedience can I challenge you as you enter in this new year? Maybe there's some area. Lord, what area do I need, I need to be obedient in my life? Maybe it's just simply prioritizing the house of God, like Scripture says. Maybe it's prioritizing the word of God, like Scripture says. Then and only then will we have movement. You see, until there's obedience, there's rebellion. Samuel says in verse 23, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. I love how the King James says it this way. <laughs> King James doesn't pull any punches. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Samuel calls Saul out in that moment and says this, you're in disobedience and he equates it to occult worship. Do y'all hear me here today? I want you to listen to me, especially if you're a young person in this place today. Why does the Bible say, well, my mom and dad just don't get it. You still have to obey. Well, Jamie, I, I don't like my boss. You still have to submit. Rebellion is that of witchcraft. And what was Saul, or what, what was Samuel referring to with Saul? It was this: Saul had disobeyed the clear word of God. He edited it. He twisted it. He he, he was he was obedient as long as it benefited him. 
And it would have been real easy for Saul to, to come back with the argument. Well, these are the Amalekites. They were godless people. They, they don't worship God. But I love how one commentator said it. But Saul didn't worship the true God either because the real worship of God begins with surrender. But Jamie, I'm a mature believer. I've been in church a long time. How many of maturity has nothing to do with time in? Leonard Ravenhill says it this way, maturity comes from obedience, not necessarily from age. Ultimately this, truth without obedience is hypocrisy. Here's the last thing and we're done. Everybody take a deep breath. We're in trouble when we are more concerned with looking holy than living holy. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Listen to this. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. That's an excuse and a lie, number one. But you know what solves the fear of man? A healthy fear of God. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to you, one of your neighbors, one who's better than you, ultimately speaking of David in that moment. Verse 29 he who is the glory of Israel does not lie, listen to this, or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Now listen to verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Let's focus in on, on this verse 30 and we're done. Let's work in reverse. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Did you catch the separate, separating language there? Not my God, your God. Pay attention when you begin to separate yourself from the Lord and his people. Let me say that again. Pay attention when you begin to separate yourself from the Lord and his people. Let me give you an example. As pastors, we go on alert when we hear people begin to complain about the church. Well, church people this, well, church people that. If you are a believer, you are a part of the church. You're just trying to separate the language. Uh, we go on alert when we see people get busy. They don't have time to connect. They don't have time to serve. They, they begin to separate. As we come into 2024, be careful when separation begins to happen, whether intentionally or unintentionally. How many of you know the devil, if he can't make you bad, someone said he'll make you busy? Saul began to distance himself so that I may worship the Lord, your God. He's not my God anymore. He's your God. But here's what really gets me in this moment. He says, listen, I have sinned. You're right. It's not enough to admit we've done wrong. We must repent. Can I have an amen? 
Saying, please forgive me with no intentions of change does not bring forgiveness. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul was more concerned with looking holy than being holy. Saul was more concerned with looking obedient than actually being obedient. Ultimately, it cost him. The reason why I bring this out in us today as we come into 2024, boy, that passage of scripture speaks to us, doesn't it? I want to challenge you, Woodlake family, as we enter 2024, let's be a church that remains obedient to the word of God. As we come into 2024, may we surrender every area of our life. And if you're here today and like me, I long to see fresh movement in areas of my life. May we never forget that movement is always preceded by obedience to God and his word. The great Baptist preacher speaking on revival, a man by the name of Jerry Vines, says this, was there ever a time in your life when you were more consecrated to the Lord than you are now? Was there ever a period in your life when you felt the presence of God more than you feel it now? Was there a moment in your life when your love for Jesus Christ was more real than it is this minute? If so, you need revival. Folks, I'm believing for revival in my life and in this church. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the Lord's return. This could be the year. And if so, I want to be found obedient and submitted to the Lord. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place as we close? I know this has been a little bit different message today. But if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, cool speech, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord here today. Maybe you'd be honest and you're here today, the first Sunday of 2024, you're just trying to start off on a, on, on a new foot and, and you're, you're just trying and you say, you know what, I, I, I'm just gonna give church a shot, I'm gonna give the people of God a shot. Listen, the first step in this thing is accepting by faith what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We, we have to surrender our life to him and accept what he did for us on the cross. And In fact, I sum it up every week by saying it this way, that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin, for all of our sin, all of our mistakes. The Bible, the Old and the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus and what he accomplished for us on the cross. If you're here today and like me you've been in sin you've made mistakes listen you don't need correction you need a savior and I want to I want to just tell you today that Jesus died for you he died for me he paid the penalty once and for all his blood was shed hallelujah and Paul said it whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus very clearly you need to be saved today 
You say, Jamie, I, I don't know. I, I, God wouldn't take me. I wouldn't take me. God, God wouldn't forgive me. I wouldn't forgive me. I, I say it this way. Scripture is very clear. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. King James says that God commanded his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you're with us today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me. If you're watching online today, you'd say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus Christ. I need to leave here today right with God, forgiven. I need to be saved. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Hold it up for just a moment. When you do, you can put it back down. And then we're all going to pray with simply what we call the prayer of faith. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved today. I need to be forgiven. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Would you raise that hand? Thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there. Just let him know you're saying yes to the Lord. Anybody else? Hold him up for just a moment. I'm simply saying yes to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me lead you in this prayer. If you're new with us here today, we simply call this the prayer of faith of saying yes to the Lord. And if you're saying yes to the Lord here today, I want you to just let me lead you in this. Everyone pray it, say it out loud. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen.